The Deal Lawyer Podcast with John Andrews, powered by JMW Solicitors. Hello and welcome to the Deal Lawyer Podcast. I'm John Andrews. Uh, today, I'm joined by Chris Dealey, who's a solicitor in our employment team. Chris, welcome to the podcast. Hi, John. Thanks for having me on. You're very welcome. And, and today, we're going to talk about a really important aspect of uh, M&A work, and it's the uh, it's the employment aspects with particular reference to what happens where there is an asset uh, purchase, and we're having to deal with issues arising from the transfer of undertaking regulations, otherwise known as TUPI. So, Chris, um, you, you're the expert in this field, so I'm going to ask you a few questions today and hopefully hopefully learn a few things from you. So, obviously, in the course of the transaction, we, we set up a data room and we ask lots of due diligence questions. Yeah. Uh, and one key area that we ask information about relates to, uh, to the staff and employees of the business. Um, what sort of information do you need me to collect during the course of these negotiations? So from an employment perspective, as you've identified, um, TUPI is the key bit of uh, regulation. And, and this is a very dry regulation. It's the sort of thing that employment lawyers love to avoid as best they can. So I will try and make it as, as um, slick and enjoyable for you as I can. Um, but from a practical point of view, obviously, the purchaser in an asset transfer will need to identify ultimately which employees they intend to keep on board and which ones that they don't they won't need going forwards. Um, TUPI can kick in to complicate that a little bit because the, the, the underlying principle of TUPI is that certain employees of the selling company will automatically transfer to the new business. Um, so the first question really is to work out um, if TUPI will apply and if so, to who. Uh, the, the, the big question in working out whether TUPI applies is whether there is um an economic entity as a part of the uh, selling business that will retain that identity following the transfer now that again is the question that you could do a whole podcast on on its own um but the, the, the key way to look at that is to ask what is what assets are being transferred um, and what is being left over afterwards um now you're, you're looking for as i say more than a, a mere collection of assets going yeah you, you want a sort of if it's a business as a going concern, then that is obviously going to, to qualify for Tupi. But it could be um, a, a prime example is for um, farms. If if a farm is being sold, um, then the land is going to be the key thing, and the employees yeah. that are left over afterwards don't have much value without the land that they work on. Um, so it's it's that kind of situation where you're looking for um, a, a, an economic entity, as I say, is is the key key principles to look yeah for. and correct me if i'm wrong but but I, I seem to think that actually if you if you purchase part of a business or particular aspects in a business tupi can can apply it can do yes yes um so again to, to, not not to, to keep um, banging the same drum but coming back to this economic ident- entity idea this could easily be um a team or a unit within a business um so something as small as that well just just where there is an isolated um subset of of assets of people of um money making that is 
the works on its own. Yeah. One, if that is being transferred, then cheaply is likely to apply. Okay. So, so I see. I, I guess where we get to it is that if you're buying anything other than pure physical assets, yeah, then, yeah. then you need to be wary that cheaply could apply. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and if it does, uh, tell me if I'm oversimplifying this. What we're really saying is, first of all, there are certain uh, requirements to to inform and possibly consult with the with the staff that may be transferring. Yeah. It also place certain restrictions on what you can and can't do with those employees as a as a purchaser. Would that be would that be a fair basic summary? Absolutely. And and this is the bit that starts to you know trip trip up people sometimes. Um, so once once you've identified that GP is going to apply, um, there is the duty on the, the the selling party to inform and consult with uh, the those employees that are going to be affected. And um, so you need to inform them of uh, it's not just the legal fact that two people apply to them and that they will transfer, um, but also of the sort of the economic and social implications for them of the change. So, for example, if if um, you're transferring part of a business and that will involve you closing down one of your offices and those employees moving to a new office, that would be something that you would have to inform them about ahead of time in good time before the transfer. Okay. And something often comes up in the course of sort of the discussions that I'm having with purchasers are, well, I've looked at the staff we've got. Um, uh, I know there are a number of them that I'm not going to want. Yeah. Um, can, can I can I get the uh, get the sellers to make some dismissals before I buy the business? Is that, is, is that a possibility? Well, Chupi does look backwards as well as forwards. Um, so the the underlying principle when it comes to dismissals. Um, employees that are involved in a, a Chupi transfer have extended protection against dismissals. So any dismissal that um where, where the sole or principal reason for that employee's dismissal is the transfer of the business um and that risks becoming an automatically unfair dismissal right um for any employee that's got the two years qualifying service for okay. unfair dismissal um there are exceptions to that which we will come on to no doubt um but that that is the thing that you need to bear in mind so even if it's in terms of dismissing employees before the transfer happens, yeah. that can still get roped into that protection. Okay. And uh, do they need to have that two-year continuous service to, to accrue that protection? To an extent, yes. Um, employees will only get the unfair dismissal protection once they've served for two years. Um, however, there is an, a, a separate right to... Pr- pr- employees can be protected from dismissal for asserting their rights under GP, and that does not require... Two years qualifying service. Right. Okay. So, so I guess what we've established is is that if cheaply applies, um, first of all, making changes to the size of, of the workforce is going to be tricky. Yes. And needs careful consideration. How, how about the other scenario that I'm frequently asked about, where somebody says, "Well, look, what I want to do is once I've acquired this business, I want to get everybody on the on the same terms." I think I think you guys call it harmonisation of yes, the yeah. terms. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So again, Tupi, um Sticks his nose in here to an extent. Um, so there are a, a uh, the, the default position is that changes to terms for the transfer of employees will be void. The, the purpose of Chupi is to protect the employment rights that employees have before transfer and making sure they continue after the transfer. And those rights will include their contractual employment rights under their employment contracts. Um, so changes to those contracts um, as a result of a transfer, again, in principle, they are void. Um, the exception to that is if the reason for those changes is what we call an ETO reason. That's shorthand for economic, technical, or organizational. Um, 
So any changes that are directly related to the transfer itself, such as the buyer coming in and saying, I'm not going to buy this company unless you sack these 20 people, that would be a um, a change that is void. And, yeah. and similarly, I'm not going to buy the company if, unless you reduce their wages, for example. Um, but anything that has a basis in um, these economic, technical or organizational reasons, so it could be the profitability of the business yeah. uh, requires these changes to be made or... Um, there are technical standards or equipment that needs to be trained upon. So you might change an employee's contract to say that they're required to be trained on a particular piece of equipment um, or to do with the management structure, that sort of thing. Any changes that are predicated on that sort of reason um, can be um, valid and will not automatically be void. Um, there is still a, a caveat to that in that um usual rules about changing contracts will still apply. Yeah. Um, and similarly for if we're talking about dismissals, uh, the normal unfair dismissal rules will still apply. So you will still have to follow a, a fair procedure and show good reasons for, for dismissals in particular. So, so Chris, in the context of a, a contract negotiation under TUPI, presumably you still need to, to follow a, a process of sitting down with the employee and discussing the changes you want to make would that be right yes that's right so there will still need to be a, a process of negotiation yeah um as with changing any employment contracts um that's that's absolutely the case and, and um it's, it's rare that you'll find a piece of legislation that will let you change an employee's contract without sitting down with them to agree um what that does mean in practice is that changes that are to an employee's benefits are going to be a lot easier to get through than ones that detriment them right okay so if, if, if we get to a stage where we actually do want to dismiss some employees that, that, that have come across to us uh, by reason of Tupi, how, how do you go about that? The usual practice is quite similar to a redundancy process. Now, there, there is that um, extended protection, which I expanded on earlier, um, where you cannot dismiss an employee just for the sole or principal reason of the transfer you need to go further than that and show one of these eto reasons um so you know there you've got too many employees and financially it's not supportable for example and that that is quite a common one um similarly perhaps some of the employees that you would be bringing over don't have the technical skills that the job role that you'd be putting them in would require um so those are the usual things and then as i say once once you've established that ETA reason, you still need to go through the the process of that you would usually do to dismiss an employee to yeah. avoid an unfair dismissal claim. Um, in the vast majority of cases in TUPI, um, redundancy will be the the reason that is given for dismissal. That yeah. still needs to be a fair reason. It still needs to be um, carried through. So in practice, uh, what you're looking for is that there is a good underlying reason for this dismissal that is well evidenced, it's been thought through and the, the process has been followed is rigorous. Yeah. And then uh, you'll tell me if I'm wrong about yeah. this, but if, if you're if you're the, the buyer of a business got, that's got an existing workforce, yeah. you then acquire, um, uh, by way of an asset purchase, uh, a business where the employees are covered under TUPI. It's not simply a case of just saying, I, I don't want the employees for the new business. You have to pull them all together, don't you, if they've got similar skills? Yeah, that, that is usual practice under redundancy, yes, yeah. absolutely. Um, so it, it is something to bear in mind. It's it's not as, as simple a case as simply picking up the assets, picking up the know-how, 
and then shunting aside any of the employees that you don't want. Right. Yeah. That, 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 good. That, that, that was my understanding of it. Okay. So, so we, we've looked at getting with the employees we don't want. Um, in terms of the employees that, that we do want to keep, how do we go about protecting our, our, our position then? Absolutely. So, yeah, a lot of the time when you're requiring a business, especially in an asset purchase, um, some of the big names, some of the key employees will be one of the things that you're spending your money for. Um, so, again, Chupi sticks its nose in here and it grants employees that are transferring an ability to reject the transfer. What the effect of that is, is that their employment contract is terminated in full by operation of law as at the transfer date. Um, where that becomes tricky is in particular things like their, if there are senior employees with restrictive covenants in their contract. Yeah. So things like a non-compete clause, those will also fall away. It's as if their employment contract just stops completely right. as at the transfer date. Um, so that can obviously cause difficulty if it's a key employee that you want to keep hold of, but also if it's a key employee that you want to keep out of the market. I'm oh, sorry, so I, I hadn't appreciated that. So, so if if the employee says, I, I don't want to transfer, um, the, 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 the purchaser, well, actually think about it, that would be the case. The purchaser can't then seek to enforce... The restricted trade clauses under that. Yeah, absolutely. Because um, obviously, the 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 underlying principle of contract law is that the employee's contract was with the seller rather yeah. than the purchaser. If they don't transfer, they have no privity of contract with the purchaser. Um, and so that is quite a common point, and you probably know better than I do at this point. But it's quite a common point to be covered by warranty in a well, in a purchase agreement. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, one of the warranties we ask for, so far as the seller is aware, which usually qualified by, is do they know whether there will be any objections on transfer yeah. or any employees who may resign as a consequence of the of the transfer yeah. taking place? You're, you're absolutely right that we we do yeah. cover that that scenario off. But of course. Who knows what employees think in their own mind? Who knows how they will react yeah. once they know that the sale's taking place? Absolutely. And, and this is um, where the sort of the, the carrot and stick approach comes in, in terms of tying those employees down to new contracts with the purchaser. Um, it's quite common to see, you know, fairly generous incentive schemes, um, in particular in share sales, but it also applies to asset sales as well. Um, in order to keep those key employees engaged, keeping them on board. Um, and then you can tie them into new restricted covenants as well as part of that overall package. Yeah. So what are the consequences of getting it wrong? So if um, if if one of my clients buys a business and just rides roughshod through through Tupi yeah. or, or the consultations that should have taken place and the information that should have been provided prior to completion don't take place what 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 happens what does it cost well there's there's two sort of areas in which um Tupi can make you fall down one of which is on that failure to consult um prior to the transfer um and that is um potentially an award of up to 13 weeks pay per affected employee which obviously if you're in a, a large asset transfer situation yeah that can add up very very quickly indeed um, as for the other situation, which is to do with um, dismissals or, or breaches of contract as well, um, for unfair dismissals, um, the usual employment tribunal principles about unfair dismissal damages would apply. Um, those are potentially capped at the um, lower of one year's wages or a figure that is around £90,000. Right. So again, per, per when you consider that's per employee, yeah. that can potentially be a very substantial sum. 
Um, similarly, for, for contractual breaches um, in terms of imposing new terms that the employee hasn't agreed to, yeah. um, that is, is more of a nuanced discussion. But um, again, the, the, um, the usual principles and contractual damages will apply there. Um, and in that case, I don't believe the damages are capped. Right. Okay, so who's, who's responsible for payment of these damages? Because obviously, uh, under Tupi, the, the sellers and buyers have different obligations. Yes, absolutely. And it, it can be a bit of a, a, a tricky situation to work out because there are, um, in, in particular in an asset transfer, where you have a legal entity that is being left behind yeah. that can still bear some of the legal responsibility. Um, it can be a difficult one to work out. Um, so the uh, the general principle is that anything that happens post-transfer, so dismissals or changes of contracts that happen after the transfer has gone through, yeah. are the responsibility of the, the transferee, the purchaser. Yeah. Um, before that, uh, before the transfer, most of the time the responsibility will lie with the transferor, so the seller. Um, the only exception to that is these cases, like I said earlier, of automatic unfair dismissal where employees are dismissed solely because of the transfer. Yeah. And in that case, the liability carries over to the transferee, okay. the purchaser. Um, what often happens in practice, because this is a bit tricky to work out, and especially with that, that issue of working out whether a dismissal is automatically unfair because of the transfer, Yeah. Um, that's not something that a purchaser and seller are going to want to sit down and work out in negotiations because they're not planning to break the law in the first place. No. Um, so what often happens is you will find, and again, this is something you'll know better than I do, looking at all the agreements you look at, um, you'll find cross indemnities. And what often happens is that there is an agreement to align the allocation of responsibility as at the transfer point. So yeah. anything beforehand where the material facts relate to the period before the transfer, before the sale goes through, will fall with the seller and anything afterwards will fall with the buyer. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely right. And, and another key point arises from this is obviously with a with, with an asset sale and and cheaply only applies obviously to, to asset sales yeah. um what, one of the key factors to bear in mind is is that if the if the selling entity is a limited company itself once it's sold its assets all you're left behind with is, is a shell company yeah so it's really important when, when when you're buying a business from a limited company and and, and we're acting for the buyer that we we try to get a personal guarantee from the from the shareholders in shell companies left behind. Otherwise, Absolutely. Otherwise, you're suing an, an empty company with no assets and no prospects of making any recovery, irrespective of any warranty or indemnity covered. Absolutely. Well, Chris, that's been a fascinating insight for me into the, the world of employment law and Tupi. Um, I mean, what's quite clear is, is that people have this common perception that asset purchases are, are more straightforward. I, I, I tend to disagree with that for a number of reasons, not least of which is, is the um, uh, the complications which arise from Absolutely. the GPS, essentially. Chris, thanks very much for joining me on the uh, podcast today. Not at all. Pleasure. Thank you. I'm hoping that at some point in the future, you or one of your colleagues will, will join me to have a discussion about due diligence on employment contracts in the context of any type of acquisition, whether it's asset or share purchase. Absolutely. Thanks very much for joining me on the Deal Lawyer podcast today. I'm John Andrews. If you'd like to make contact with me to discuss this or any other issues in our podcasts, my telephone number is 07768 266 or you can contact me through the JMW website. The Deal Lawyer podcast with John Andrews. Powered by JMW Solicitors.